Well, hello, my name's Brendan McLaughlin, and I'm the minister here at Irwin Anglican, and welcome back to Church Online. Uh, now, some of you may be thinking, well, here we go again. So can I begin by reading for you a sign I saw during the week? And the sign said this, if anyone is having a bad day, just remember that on this day in 1976, Ronald Wayne sold his 10% share in Apple for $800. It's now worth $58 billion. Well, the point of that sign seems to suggest that having a bad day is all a matter of perspective. And look, the perspective for most of us this past year has been pretty bleak, hasn't it? When Gallup did their yearly poll uh, on mental health in America last year, they recorded their lowest numbers since the poll began back in 2001. Some groups dipped by double figures on the previous year. So females, Republicans, white adults, single people, and those on low incomes all dipped between 10 to 15 percentage points on the previous year. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. 76% of Americans still rate their mental health as either excellent or good, but due to the pandemic, not to mention race relations in America, and uh, last year was an election year, that meant that numbers dropped by eight points to their lowest levels ever. So my question to you this morning is, how's your mental health? Now, by that, I don't mean how are things at home or how are things at work or how's your physical health or how's your financial health, all right? Chances are many of us are struggling in those departments. Uh, the video clip I hope you just saw, it's of America's Got Talent. If, we didn't, if you didn't get a chance to see it, I highly recommend looking it up. Just type in Nightbird, America's Got Talent. Uh, but that, that lady who calls herself Nightbird, uh, she is a 30-year-old woman struggling with cancer. But she said something that almost brought Simon Cowell to tears. She said, you cannot wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Now we've just finished a series on the book of Ecclesiastes and the theme of Ecclesiastes is even though life is really tough, even though life punches you below the belt sometimes, uh, do your best to enjoy this life. And I, for one, am incredibly thankful to God for the book of Ecclesiastes because that theme has changed my life in recent weeks. However, the book of Ecclesiastes doesn't tell us how to do this. And this is why I've chosen uh, to look at Psalm 42 today. So this week was originally set down for, for Holiday Club Sunday, uh, but thanks to the lockdown, we've had to cancel Holiday Club. And so uh, we find ourselves with a spare Sunday. And I felt convicted this week to preach on Psalm 42. So just like Terry Crews uh, said to Nightbird in that clip, you are the voice we all need to hear this year, so too I think Psalm 42 is the psalm we all need to hear during this lockdown. And the reason is Psalm 42 tells us how to be happy, how to find joy, even when life is hard. And I've got three points uh, to help us show this, which will hopefully come up on the screen. So we're going to begin by seeing the predicament the psalmist is in. And that predicament is that his soul is downcast. So I've titled our first point, the psalmist's sorrow. But this sorrow doesn't come in a vacuum, uh, of course. 
The psalmist tells us what has caused this spiritual low, and so I've titled our second point, The Psalmist's Situation. Uh, but we're then going to conclude by seeing that this, what this psalmist does about it, right? He too does not want to wait until life isn't hard anymore before he rejoices again. And so our third point is titled, The Psalmist's Solution. And friends, if you would like to know the Bible's solution to finding joy in life, even though life is punching you over and over again, then you've come to the right place. So let's dive in and look at how to find joy when our soul is downcast. And the psalm begins with these words. Uh, for the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. So firstly, the, the, the author of this psalm is not King David, all right, it's one of the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah were part of the tribe of Levi, and they were the temple musicians. Uh, so he tells us in verse 4 that he used to be part of the procession uh, into the house of God. Now, when you and I come to church today, what do we do? We walk in, we chat to one or two people, uh, we then sit down, and then after the service commences, we sing. Not so back in, uh, in, in, this, in this psalmist's day. You see, what they would do is they would walk into the temple already singing. Or as the psalmist says uh, in verse 4, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Right? Maybe we should give this a go uh, sometime at our church. You see, God's people back then were so overjoyed at going to church that they would sing as they were coming into church. But this temple musician is not feeling so festive uh, when he's writing this psalm. So he says, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, uh, my God. Now this verse is very familiar to many of us. There's songs written about this verse, isn't there? But what struck me this week is why the deer is panting for water. You see, deer are creatures of instinct. What that means is, when they get thirsty, they drink. And so the only reason a deer would pant for water is if there's a drought. Uh, let me read to you the prophet Jeremiah describing a drought. So this is Jeremiah 14, verse 6. He said, The ground is cracked because there's no rain in the land. The farmers are dismayed and cover their heads. Even the doe in the field deserts her newborn fawn because there's no grass. Wild donkeys stand on the barren heights and pant like jackals. Their eyesight fails for lack of pasture. Now, friends, when you are literally dying of thirst, your body starts to shut down. See, what happens is you sweat less because your body's trying to hold on to moisture, but that lack of sweat means your body temperature rises, as does your heart rate. But alongside that, uh, your blood pressure drops, which leads you uh, to begin to faint, and that all happens before organ failure sinks in. You see, there is no joy in dehydration. There is only a desperate search for water. And this is how the psalmist is feeling. Verse 2, uh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? <clears throat> right? This psalmist is dying of thirst spiritually. He feels like God is distant. 
Now we're going to look at why the psalmist feels God is distant in point two, but before that, I want us to sit with this feeling for a moment. Right? I want us to I want us to recall the last time we may have felt that God was distant, like God wasn't listening, like God was ignoring our plight. Do you remember what those feelings are like? Perhaps you're feeling like that right now. You see, spiritual thirst, thinking, uh, feeling that, that, that God doesn't care, it affects everything, doesn't it? Right? It feels like nothing will ever make us happy. Nothing, nothing warms our hearts. Everything feels like a grind, doesn't it? Even, even doing the smallest things takes all of our energy. And we start to think things like, oh, look, even if God wanted to fix this, he probably can't. Woe is me, uh, will this ever get better? And that's where this psalmist is at. He is sitting in deep, deep sorrow. Well, the psalmist then tells us why he's feeling this way. And uh, there are four reasons, four situations that have caused this spiritual dryness. Now, one of them we learn by way of omission, all right? But these four situations are evil, exile, enemies, and enigma, four E's, if you will. But the first one, evil, uh, is not concerning the psalmist. You see, a very conspicuous omission from Psalm 42 is confession. Nowhere in the psalm does the psalmist confess his sin. Now, when we are feeling spiritually low, the very first place we should look is our sin. We need to ask if there's some sin in our life. And the reason uh, is that our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. You see, if we violate someone's wishes, then our intimacy with that person is going to be affected. And it's the same with God. Of course we're going to feel distant from God if we have seared our conscience in some way. All right? The first thing we should do when feeling spiritually thirsty is confess. But what this psalm tells us is we can be spiritually desolate and it not be because of sin. Right? So even though we might be telling ourselves or we might be telling a friend okay, to start by looking at whether there's some sort of unrepentant sin in our life, and that's where we should start, uh, but that doesn't mean we have to end there. And that was, that was the, the mistake Job's three friends made. Okay? They were convinced that there was no other reason why Job was, was, was suffering so other than he must have had some sort of unrepentant sin. But here's the thing. The book ends with Job having to pray for his friends so that God wouldn't strike them down. Right? God takes very seriously anyone who says suffering is only because of sin. But that's not the, the, uh, the case with the psalmist, and that's why he's not, uh, he's not confessing. So that's, that's sin or evil, as I've called it. The second thing uh, going on with the psalmist is exile. So we read in verse uh, 6, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, uh, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. So Mount Hermon is all the way up north 
in Israel. Now, the psalmist doesn't elaborate as to why he's up there, but for some reason he's stuck up north, and that means he, can't, he cannot get uh, to the temple. He's in some sort of exile, and, uh, and he can't meet with the throng, verse 4. Now, friends, this is our predicament, isn't it, right now? We can't meet together as a church. Now, our restriction is for very good reasons, all right? If it's a choice between uh, missing church for a couple of weeks versus more people contracting and therefore dying of COVID, the Bible's pretty clear. We, 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 we save people's lives, okay? But brothers and sisters, do not be slow in coming back to church after this lockdown. Why? Because we cannot build and sustain a rich sense of God's presence alone. Now, I'm always harping on about uh, private devotions, reading the Bible and praying at home, spending time with God at home, okay? But that is the second most important thing to a rich Christian life. The thing that is most important is the throng, right? Being part of corporate worship hearing other people sing praises alongside us, seeing other people declare they believe the same things in us. All these things, they, 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 they draw something out of us. I remember uh, going to men's convention many, many years ago before they put the insulation in that big tin shed. And I remember just the, 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 the voice, the, uh, the, the noise of 3,000 men pounding out those old hymns in that reverberating old tin shed. It was amazing. And the guys from time to time, they would, they would ring their wives during the singing just to say, listen to this, honey. Right? There is something that, that, that about corporate worship that just draws things out in Christians. And the psalmist is missing out on that. So that's exile. Uh, the third situation that has led to the psalmist's spiritual desert is enemies. As Derek Kidner puts it in his commentary, Christians become very vulnerable before others when God's ways become inscrutable, like hard to understand, hard to fathom. So, for example, when, when hardship befalls a, a good Christian, you know, things like unemployment or divorce or cancer, right? people start to say, where is your God? Verse 3. When Christians do the wrong thing in the public arena, you know, like the, uh, the, the institutional, uh, like the, the Royal Commission on Institutional Child Sexual Abuse, uh, people say, where is your God? When natural disasters happen, people say, where is your God? And the psalmist is feeling distant from God because uh, these things are, all these things are going wrong and he has no answer for his enemies. But what's even worse is he has no answer for himself. And that's why I've called the fourth situation uh, enigma, because sometimes we just don't know why God is smashing, smashing us against the rocks with his waves. Verse 7. In, uh, in 1999, I broke my femur. That's the biggest bone in the body. All right? Now, I, did it, uh, I hit a tree whilst snowboarding. 
was, uh, was not pleasant. I've since switched back to skiing, not that I get to go very much these days, uh, but it was, it, it was bad enough snapping your femur. What was even worse was it happened on my second run of a week-long ski trip. Uh, but even worse than that was I had to spend two whole weeks in Canberra Hospital, right, away, in a different city, away from family and friends. But it gets worse. Uh, I was meant to be operated on that very first night, but uh, the hospital's only femoral pin went to a car accident victim. So I had to wait another 24 hours for one to be couriered down from Sydney. But it gets worse. By the time I went in for the operation, my leg was so swollen with blood that the doctor couldn't push the bones back together from the outside. He had to make an incision in my leg, it's called a fasciotomy, so that he could stick his hand inside my leg and push the bones back together. But it gets worse. Uh, I lost two litres of blood during the operation. It was a uh, four or five hour operation and I needed a blood transfusion. And the night after the operation, I experienced the most pain that I've ever experienced to this day. But it gets worse. Uh, my leg was so swollen that they couldn't do that fasciotomy back up straight away. And I had an open wound on my leg for over a week while they waited for the swelling to go down and I had to have a second operation. But it gets worse. Uh, <clears throat> my voice box was damaged during that first operation and I couldn't speak louder than a whisper for over six months. But it gets worse. During those two weeks in hospital, I went through not one, uh, but two nurse strikes. The skeleton staff meant it was really far hard to find a nurse on those days. But it gets worse. As is often the case uh, with broken femurs, the bone marrow got into my bloodstream and I contracted what is called a fat embolism on my lungs. And I literally almost died from it. Don't even get me started on the catheter, which took even longer to recover from. Uh, but friends, uh, th these things happen in life. That's, that's, that's the enigma of life, isn't it? Uh, and I still cannot to this day figure out why God would put me through such isolation, such excruciating pain and almost death. But these things happen in life, all right? Sin or evil, enemies, exile, an enigma. And when these things happen, it feels like nothing will bring us joy. Uh, we feel like the psalmist in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So what do we do when we find our soul downcast? Look, there are two ways of handling a spiritual desert. So option A is we listen to all those negative things that our heart or our soul, if you will, is telling us. Uh, the great English preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, when preaching on this passage, he says, look, when we wake up in the morning, our soul is talking to us. Uh, he says, many of those, those thoughts have not originated with us, but they bring back the problems of yesterday. Now, we all know those thoughts, don't we? Things like, woe is me, everything is terrible, life is hopeless, God has abandoned me. Or worse still, if God isn't going to help, then why do I bother with him at all? 
So that's option A. Listen to our soul as it drags us further and further into the abyss of despair. Option B is instead of listening to your soul, speak to it. Uh, Lloyd-Jones says, have you realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So here's the thing, friends. When we wake up in the morning, we can either spend the rest of the day listening to ourselves, or spend the rest of the day talking to ourselves. And this is the option our psalmist takes. And just so we don't miss it, he says it twice in verses 5 and 11. They're both identical. Uh, you can read one of them with me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. You see, instead of listening to himself, he says, look, self, listen up, for I will speak to you. And what does he say? He says, self, put your hope in God. John Piper says the reason he says this is because a downcast soul can cause a divide between our head and our heart. Now what he means is this. As Christians, we know intellectually that God has our back. But adversity can sometimes cause our heart to forget this as our emotions start to wash over us. And what the psalmist is doing is he's working to mend that divide. And herein lies the secret, brothers and sisters, of finding joy in the midst of a downcast soul. So if you only take one thing away from this message, this is what you take away, okay? When you wake up in the morning, your soul will almost certainly be talking to you. And some of what it says may not originate with you. It will be telling you things like how life is unfair, how God owes you, how it's never going to get better, and how utterly hopeless life is. Now, we can either lie there and listen to our soul, but take it from me, as someone who does this regularly, no good comes from it. Our soul will keep talking like talky talk all day as it sucks us further and further into the abyss of despair unless we interrupt it. Uh, how's the joke go? I haven't talked to my spouse in 10 years. I didn't want to interrupt. All right? Our first job every day is to interrupt our soul and talk to our soul and get our soul happy in the Lord. Now let me say that again. Because this is the secret to happiness. This is the one thing I want us to take away, all right? Our first job every day is to interrupt our soul, talk to our soul, and get our soul happy in the Lord. Or as verses 5 and 11 say, praise him, my Saviour and my God, all right? Be happy in the Lord. And friends, the way we do this is by reminding ourselves each and every day in his word, right? Open his word up and remind ourselves of the lengths God will go to to protect and care for his people. In the movie <coughs> Avengers Age of Ultron, there's a character called Quicksilver who has superhuman speed. Uh, and his one-liner is, bet you didn't see that coming. All right? He keeps saying that throughout the movie. But Quicksilver really uh, 
pushes the buttons of Hawkeye, one of, one of the Avengers. Hawkeye is really not a big fan of Quicksilver. But there's this scene at the end when Hawkeye is rescuing a young child just as the baddie, Ultron, uh, fires on him from a fighter jet. And Quicksilver rushes in and protects Hawkeye from the bullets using his body. And his dying words to Hawkeye are, bet you didn't see that coming. Now, friends, the cross shows that this is God's mantra. Right? Who in their wildest dreams would have ever thought that God would take his own punishment by dying infinite, infinite punishment so that he could acquit you and I of our sin. Never in a million years would you see that coming. Yet if God would do that for our biggest problem, then we can put our hope in him that he will help us with whatever other problems come our way in life. And that's how we get our soul happy in the Lord, by preaching the gospel to ourselves. And friends, that's the secret. right? We do not have to wait until life is not hard anymore to be happy if we put our hope in God. The Gallup poll I mentioned at the start, uh, like I said, it saw every category drop in mental health last year. doesn't matter who you are, men and women. All right, Republican and Democrat, white and non-white, single and married, you name it. Every category saw a drop in mental health last year, with the exception of one. One group saw a 4% improvement in the middle of a pandemic. And that group were people who attended religious services weekly, i.e., Dedicated Christians. <clears throat> as Ecclesiastes tells us, and as Psalm 42 shows us, God does not want us to wait until life is not hard anymore before we decide to be happy. So what are we going to do? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in my God, for I will yet praise him my Saviour and my God.